Whenever my world falls apart I never lose hope or lose heart Whatever the form of the storm that may brew Not with you to lean on, darlings, you Hello and welcome to The Original Cast, a podcast about original cast albums and the people who love them. I'm Patrick Flynn. My guest today is a performer, he's a composer, he's a writer, he's a teacher, and he will soon, relatively soon, be heard as Shakespeare's greatest wet pretzel, King Henry VI, (laughs) and Brave Spirit's Audio Histories, which I happen to produce. Funny how that comes up in this conversation. Anyway, it's Dwayne Richards, everybody! Woohoo! How are you doing? Thanks for having me. Good. Thanks for being here. It is it is awesome <laughs> to talk to you about. Uh, I I can't wait to talk to you about your music and about your your musical and about all kinds of things. But before we get to any of that, you're here to talk about SpongeBob the Musical. Yes, you are. Good morning, world, and all who inhabit it. Jump out of bed, mix up a breakfast for my favorite pet snail. We'll steam ahead. The SSI am ready is about to set sail. This kind of day couldn't get much better, but it keeps on trying. Yeah, I'm on my way. Somewhere there's a Krabby Patty that needs frying. And who's the lucky sponge in the mirror who is living his dream? Who's always extra careful with his dental hygiene? Gary, it's me. To be here in the world renowned Bikini Bottom, how I love this town Bikini Bottom, when the sun shines down On a beautiful Bikini Bottom day Shout it from the rooftops. I'll tell you, I always listen to the cast albums. I try to listen to them three times before I talk to the guests. I did not need to do that in your case. (laughs) Because this can be heard pretty much every other day in my car driving my son to school oh, uh, it's either this okay. or guys and dolls that's what we listen to depending on what his mood is uh and it is often guys and dolls these days but it has been spongebob <laughs> enough Got so it. that i i have a i have a deep familiarity with this show awesome which is good but i'll start by asking you the question i ask everybody how did spongebob squarepants the musical come into your life well so here's the thing it's like i so i i'm a 90s kid so definitely I grew up when SpongeBob was a thing. Mm-hmm. Um, although I will say like, it wasn't like my favorite cartoon or whatever. I'm not like a SpongeBob Stan, like mm-hmm. some of my friends. Um, and I think like everybody else, when they announced that they were doing it, I was very skeptical and I was very like, why, mm-hmm. why do we need this? Why do, you know, and yeah. I'm not one of those people who like, when there's a musical adaptation is just automatically like, Oh, that's going to suck. But it's just like, you know, some things make sense to yes. do that and some things don't. And yes. I was just like, SpongeBob, it just sounded like a cash grab. Um, so I was skeptical about it. And then the thing that got me into it, which I, you know, I can talk in more detail about, but the thing that got me into it was the idea that all the songs were being done by these different like artists, mm-hmm. like a, a different artist took a different song. And like, one thing about me is like, that is that will always get me, you know, if it's something I was just telling my friend the other day, have you ever heard of Disney mania? Yeah. Okay. So like that used to be my thing. When oh, I was okay. Like, every time a CD came out and it's just like all these different artists covering Disney songs. I mm-hmm. used to be like, I used to eat it up. So when I found out, and I'm also big on like genre diversity and like, you know, like I, I listen to all kinds of music, so I love when all kinds of music are represented. Mm-hmm. And so when they were like, you know, we have like, I don't know, Aerosmith on one track right. and like Yolanda Adams on another track <laughs> and T.I. on another. I was just like, what is this? So I was immediately intrigued. I knew I was going to listen to it. Mm-hmm. And then when it came out, um, I just gave it, you know, I gave it a listen. And like from like track three, I was like, I love this. Like automatically, I was like, yes, this is, this is going to work for me. Um, and then I did finally get to see it. I, I saw it um, on stage. I actually saw it twice, not because I loved it that much, but because I saw it once by myself and then I saw it with a friend. Sure. <laughs> and tickets were like super cheap, actually, <laughs> surprisingly. Oh, okay. So I was able to see it twice. Um, and yeah, I mean, it's just it's just done with the right 
like intention. Like it's not done to make. I mean, I'm sure you know they knew it was going to make money. Anyway, well, right. But yeah, yeah. But but they they went the extra mile and they like thought about it creatively, which I mm-hmm. appreciate as an artist myself. Sure. So yeah. So it all started basically with the announcement of like who was on the album and stuff. That got me really excited. So that's always so. Hmm, that's really interesting that that's sort of like mix like a I don't know what you'd even call that, but sort of all the different artists coming together has always been. What mm-hmm. is it you think it's a is it the covers or is it just like the group of artists? What is it about that you think that really appeals to you? I so I've just always been one of those people man who like I really love everything. Like I have a group <laughs> me and my friends from college have this um text chain that we call Team Eclectica. Okay. Which is basically we just share like, sure. music from like all over the place. Uh-huh. Um, and I think that like a lot of times people cut themselves off from certain types sure. of music. Like they're just like, oh, I don't, I don't like that. And I used to do that. Mm-hmm. Um, but then once I started not doing that and not caring about that anymore, I started realizing like, oh, like I, I, I like some country songs, mm-hmm. you know, and I like some, you know, like just, just that kind of stuff. And even when, even when there's like a, like you and me just had this interaction about old town road. Right. Even when like, there's like a song that is literally a mixture of genres, mm-hmm. like a, a, a blend of two different genres. I'm automatically All over that. on board. I'm on board. So that was exciting to me. And then it was also intriguing to me because I'm like, okay, these are very different things that are all supposed to be a part of telling this one story. So like, how are you about to do that? Sure. So like some of it was morbid curiosity, some of it was genuine curiosity. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I wholeheartedly believe they pulled it off. It's, it's a real. I mean, because it is a like you say, it's a super eclectic mix of artists. They really mm-hmm. did like commit to the bit, and mm-hmm. and we're just like, well, if we're gonna do this, let's you know, let's. I think there's another version of this musical that is like just Jonathan Colton songs. Right. Um, that's, or, that's what you think. Yeah. Or just they might be giants, like having them do it. Because right. they suit what I think of, at least anyway, when I think of SpongeBob, which I mainly experience right. as an 80s kid through my kid. Like my son right. is, is a huge SpongeBob <laughs> fan. And I think it's great, but I have no, like, sort of. Not to be not to be too broad, but I wasn't a stoner in college, so I didn't watch a lot of SpongeBob. <laughs> right. But. Um, and spent my 20s watching SpongeBob, but certainly was aware of it. And. Yeah. You know, I would not associate plain white tees or T.I. or David Bowie <laughs> with SpongeBob. That's the thing. And I mean, I think I think what what's also interesting about it is if you notice, they have like Cindy Lauper do a song, mm-hmm. you know, like post Kinky Boots and they have Sarah Bareilles do a song post Waitress. So right. it's just like it felt to me like. It felt to me like they probably got all of these artists because they were just fans of SpongeBob. Yeah, you know, it felt to me like it was just like it doesn't really matter who it is. It's like, like for example, David Bowie. I feel like uh, I don't know if David was like a fan of SpongeBob, but like I feel like for him to do something like this, it probably had something to do with like, yeah, that sounds fun, or like, yeah, mm-hmm. I like that, you know, as opposed to like a genuine artistic sure desire. Right. Well, what did he have to prove at that point in his in right? Exactly in his life. <laughs> exactly. But no, I mean, and, and I think. Like, I always, for me, it's really shocking that, like, Yolanda Adams is on the mm-hmm. album because, I don't know, I feel like she's not known outside of the, like, Black gospel community. Mm-hmm. And so the idea that they would just pick this, like, gospel artist to do a sure. song. And, and when you hear the song, you're like, oh, yeah, like, I get it. For I might be your get why they wanted her um (laughs) but that kind of inclusion to me is just like so exciting Mm -hmm. and not necessarily like i don't hope that a lot of other you know plays do that Mm because i doubt it can always work like it did sure um but it really did you know i was just watching um this like behind the scenes video about it 
um, about the whole musical. And they were saying that part of what helped was having um, Tom Kitt kind of oversee everything. Mm -hmm. So basically, like, he got everything and then he was able to be like, okay, how do we make this kind of, you know, fixed and and flow and everything. And, And I think, again, like, if it was just a cash grab, they wouldn't have worried about that. You right. know what I mean? They would have just been like, we'll just take the song right. and we'll just pop it in there. Yeah. Um, but it really has like a, you know, it has a flow, like you said. And um, to me, like the cast album specifically, even having, even after having seen the show, mm-hmm. like I can just listen to the cast album and just like vibe mm-hmm. and get all the, get all the highs and lows and all the, you know, all the stuff. Sure. I mean, yeah, it is a really, and it's also one thing that I didn't expect. I'll I'll be honest, when I heard they were doing it this way, I did not expect it to for the songs to come out of the script in the way that they yeah. do. Like that, I was sort of like, oh, everybody wrote a song for the SpongeBob musical, so it'll be like you write a SpongeBob song, and then I'll write a scene that kind of goes with that right. song. Or I right. give you a suggestion, so it'll be like a lot more sketches and and so, and this is not that. This is a full tilt. Like there's a plot, there's an arc, there's character development, it's all that. Yeah, it's all in there, and the songs absolutely arise out of dramatic moments, and it doesn't matter yeah. who wrote them or what. Like they all have that same, with with the exception probably of Sarah Bareilles' song, which serves a very specific purpose, but is just sort of at the top of Act Two, kind of bringing everybody back yeah. together again. Um, yeah. And you know, and also probably Bikini Bottom Boogie. I would say the Aerosmith song probably could go. Anywhere. That's so that's but, so interesting because like <laughs> those are like my only two skips. <laughs> I gotta the, say those two songs are the ones. Right. Well, like Bikini Bottom Boogie is. I mean, I don't like to say words like this. It's the worst song on the album. Can we okay, agree we on that? Yeah, yeah. It, it is. It is. And I think that if you'd gotten, you would never have gotten them. This, if you gotten Aerosmith in the early '90s to do this, right, it would have been something. Like it really would have been yeah. like peak Aerosmith. Like get a grip, yeah. pump Aerosmith. Like to write uh, Steven Tyler and Joe Perry to write a song for this show it would have been great. Yeah. Those guys are tired, man, and the yeah. song really sounds it like sounds it. like it. Yeah, it reflected. We should probably explain. People might be surprised to hear that this show has a plot. Um, do you think you could summarize the plot of SpongeBob the Musical? Hit the high. Yeah, you don't sure. have to hit every. So, There's a lot that happens in this show. <laughs> so. There is, but the 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 main plot is that they find out that there is a volcano that is going to erupt in a couple days, and it's going to destroy Bikini Bottom, and so everyone's freaking out. Um, and SpongeBob kind of decides, along with Sandy and Patrick. Um, that he's going to figure out how to stop the volcano from erupting. And then the kind of B plot is that Plankton, who is always trying to find a way to get people to like his stuff, um, is going to, like, I don't know, capitalize on the opportunity of people being afraid in order to, like, I don't know, control their minds to make them like his stuff or whatever. I mean, like I said, that's the B plot. The main plot is that the volcano is coming right and it's gonna you know it's gonna it's gonna blow up bikini bottom and also like even going back to that i think one of the things that was really good about spongebob and all of those 90s cartoons and part of the reason why like people of my generation look back so fondly on them Mm -hmm. is that they really like were hilarious but also they had levels to them to where like you experience them differently as an adult, but like, mm-hmm. but like equally as good, but you just experience them differently. And I think this whole idea of the volcano is something that is very easy for kids to digest. Mm-hmm. Like, okay, there's a volcano and it's going to blow up and whatever. But yeah. then the show really goes places <laughs> in terms yeah. of like nihilism and like we're gonna the the freaking um the david bowie song is like the the second song in the uh, in, in the, the song and yeah. it's like it some of those lyrics are dark this just in the end is in our future evidence has come to light it's all deranged no control 
But when you're watching the show, you're just like, oh, they're they're scared. But like yeah, when you yeah. listen to the lyrics, you're like, this is yeah, this is pretty. Stuff. It's terrifying, and it is, it is, and it's. It, there's also so much I didn't realize until I saw it when we watched it on on Amazon uh, that how much like the the plot revolving around things like how people respond to fear, like you said. So then there's this whole thing about Sandy being able to stop it, but she's a squirrel. And they don't trust yes. her, and she's a scientist, Outside. and they don't trust that. And it's this whole, like, very, yep. yeah, which is, again, stuff that would go, the nuance of which would go over any kid's head. Yes. They would just be like, oh, they're freaking out, and they don't like Sandy. Why don't they like Sandy? But yes. the adults are sort of like, yeah, no, that's what happens. That's when people yes. like, face crisis. Well, there's even, like, the the like the politicians yes. are trying to turn it into a political thing. Right, and the politicians and are start arguing the over their, like, beliefs about what's happening like it's very right. you know yeah, it's very very deep no, it's 2016 <laughs> it's it's all over 2016 and this is a this is a real product of its time in a very yeah specific it's, way. i mean it's, it's crazy and it but it, it just makes for a layered watch it makes for a, sure. a layered watch and a layered listen sure and it looks great i mean if you can the videos on amazon Prime, oh, like i said it's man. a beautiful looking show with some intense choreography and costume design and ethan yes. slater is is yes. just like Yes, working his ass off in the show. There's no question about that. He has a very strong core in the show. That's all I can. Yep, made me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> but it is a. I, I will say there's there's this thing that sort of happens with, especially cartoons, when they make stories like this about them that are contained. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Where it's got to be a movie, which is a totally different thing. I mean, SpongeBob is two ten minute. Ske- you know, basic sketches, right. really, right. every half hour. And when they have to put, like, a big plot on it, you sort of – the characters aren't always built for that. Mm-hmm. And a lot of what I like when I watch the show is the everyday basic interactions between this disparate group of characters. And the right. musical doesn't have that as much it really because it's got to have a big plot it takes all the characters and they're in the first song together and then it breaks them into groups yes and so like because of that um squidward spends most of the musical separated from patrick and spongebob and mr krabs which is a very unfortunate because it's my favorite like he he functions really well as a character who just stands there and looks unhappy while these two idiots (laughs) smile all over the place and torment him and While, you know, I, I'm Not a Loser might be my favorite song on the entire album, it is it is an unfortunate side. And also then Mr. Krabs gets broken off from the main group and he's with, with his daughter, which is funny and they have a great song. But it it, it sort of ends yeah. up breaking the characters apart and the, all the plots that are going on, like you say, Plankton's B plot of, of trying to hypnotize everybody with his computer wife, Karen – I've learned yes. so much about the show in the last like three months. So I'm like, I, I sound like way more. Before, when I first heard this thing, I was like, I have no idea what's going, what's going on. on. But yeah. it, the, the songs are really nice. You know, like I'm, I'm down. Yeah. Um, and so it, it is, I, I don't know how to solve that problem because it's something that I think that happens to every car, like cartoon or TV show when they try to break it into a movie. They have to shake, they have to put a lot of stakes on it and then and then break everybody up. And it, it, I feel it's unfortunate that they lose the kind of spark of what made SpongeBob SpongeBob, but then right. doing, but then if they did that, I wouldn't like that either. Like I would not like a yeah. two hour show with a bunch of 10 minute sketches in it. I would not care right. for that. Yeah. Yeah. I think um, that as someone who like watched the show, to me, the musical feels just like another it doesn't feel like another episode, but mm-hmm. it feels like it's in addition mm. to everything else that we've seen. Okay. And so I remember being really impressed with, because they have this main plot going on, there's like these other characters like Larry the Lobster, for example, who right. like cannot get a bunch of stage time. But I remember being really impressed with like every character 
on stage is a character that I like recognize. Like they, they're like, they're true to their character is what I mean mm-hmm. on stage. So like, if you see it as like another, just like another story mm-hmm. in the SpongeBob mythology, then like it, it, it works. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And I, I, I definitely see what you're saying, but also like the second thing you said about how it probably wouldn't work if it was like vignettes or whatever is like, and that's one of the things that I really like that Nickelodeon did is the fact that they did film it and put it out there. Mm-hmm. Um, because I mean, one, I just like that because then kids can see more theater, but right. also it again, allows it to just kind of be like, yeah, here's the SpongeBob show and here's the SpongeBob movies and here's the SpongeBob, you know? And it's also like, it doesn't have to be non-canonical, you sure. know, that's, that's something that kind of gets on my nerves sometimes mm-hmm. when people do like extended versions of TV shows is they're just like, well, it gets in the way of some other stuff that we set up so we can't use it. Right. And the musical doesn't do that. Like the musical is like the, the town almost gets destroyed. Right. But then, you know, spoiler alert, it yeah. doesn't. <laughs> so, so well, you can it, kind of believe that it continues. And the yeah. cleverness of like bikini bottom day and the opening of the show. And then the volcano <sighs> is in the yeah, bikini bottom day is a great opening. Um, <sighs> And which is also why if Jonathan Colton had written every song, I don't think I'd hate it. Like, I think he, yeah, it wouldn't, he, have, been he, a he wouldn't yeah. have been a problem at all. Yeah. Um, yeah. But it, it it sets up that the way Bikini Bottom is and that everybody's sort of generally friendly to each other and everybody's great. And then what the volcano does is break that apart. So at the yes. end, it's really getting them to come back to the way they yes. were at the start instead of yeah. it's not the town doesn't need fixing. You know what I mean? Right. It's not that kind of thing. Right. It is. It is like a like the cartoon in the sense that like the things that the characters have to prove are the same things the characters have to prove in the show, and the lessons yes. the characters learn are tiny little lessons that you yes. say don't alter the overall arc. If you watch the like, no, if you watch ten episodes and then this musical and then ten more episodes, you wouldn't be like, oh, I see. Yeah. Like the, the it would all fit. It would all absolutely be yeah. a piece. Which is a hard rope to walk. So I, I, I think you know. I think Kyle Jarrow did a great job with the book in that way of like. That's what I'm saying. It, 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 yeah. it shouldn't have been. It should not have. It been shouldn't good. be as good as it is. It and it's also. <laughs> it, it, yeah. it, it it also suits uh, fits a, a, a kind of thing I've talked about on the show before, which is and he brought this up. It doesn't have to be as good as it is. You know, right. the the Broadway version of SpongeBob would have run. You know, 200 performances without any effort. I think title alone gets you where you need to go. And it, it, you know, and I think it did close too early. I think it was unfortunately sort of maligned and unfairly maligned by some critics and the Tonys. And it should have run longer for for what it had. But it it, it is certainly like it, it could have opened and closed and made its money back just being what yeah. it was. And, and they really put yeah. in the effort to be like, no, if we're going to do this, let's, yeah. let's do it. Let's really make it something. Well, I remember like part of what made me, um, like I said, like, like when I said three songs into the cast recording, it, it like had me mm-hmm. part of what got me was that I think bikini bottom day, which is basically the opening yeah, is such a, true musical theater opening like Mm -hmm. it's just it just does everything it's supposed to do Mm -hmm. and by the time they get to the last chorus and like the the harmonies are incredible and it's just like so it's just kind of right away you're like oh this is like a real musical (laughs) you know what i mean like this is like (laughs) okay i see um and yeah i mean i think so again like you know i was watching some some behind the scenes stuff um in the past couple days and they were saying that like the main they think that the main reason for the closure had more to do with the fact that like it was running in the summer and then like school started Mm -hmm. and so like a lot of kids were not Mm -hmm. you know i guess it would be kind of weird for adults to just be like let's catch this friday night spongebob show i mean Um, you know (laughs) but also i mean it did like it did it got nominated for a ton of stuff at the tony the one that kind of like that that kicks me a little bit that I I don't love it but I but I it absolutely is the earworm of the show for me is the TI song when the going gets tough. See, I was I was afraid you were going to say that cuz that's literally my favorite song. Is it really? Okay, why is that your favorite song? <laughs> okay, well first of all, I mean we have to get a couple things out of the way. Sure. You know, I am a 27-year-old black man and when that beat dropped I said, "Hey, I was like, hey, it went 
Right. It's like a full-on trap beat, right? Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. Which I was not expecting right. at all. I was not, and and I mean, I think like literally, like you know, <laughs> the song starts with Karen beatboxing. Yes, and it's just like you're like, where is this about to go? But like, as soon as the beat drops, it's like a real trap. Yeah, song, which I was not expecting. Mm-hmm. But then within that like idea of a real trap song you have like spongebob rapping mm-hmm. and he sounds like spongebob mm-hmm. you know what i mean yeah. but also it's like a good rap so it's just like it and and then it, it, it still keeps that musical theater feel with all the um you know the harmonies and and you know there's a key change and yes, there's there all is. Like, like for me it, it really kind of gave me kind of everything i want in terms of like all of my worlds coming together in one song Mm -hmm. you know this like straight up hip-hop thing but this musical theater thing and like this blend of it now what i will say about that is in terms of like how it fits into the entire show it's Mm -hmm. probably just kind of more of a fun number like plankton could have gotten his message out in a much quicker way (laughs) but it's no it it just it it really does it for me and also the other thing i was going to say was um when you were talking about how something came across on stage versus how it's on the thing. Mm. One thing I noticed um, was they like changed a lot between the cast recording. Yeah. Between Chicago and and New York. Yeah. Yeah. Which I wasn't expecting at all. Mm -hmm. I wasn't expecting that. So by the time I saw the show, I had already listened to the cast recording over and over again. So mainly, you know, they don't like, they mainly add instead of taking away, which Mm -hmm. is cool. Um, So like, even when the going gets tough, which is the T.I. song, Plankton has, like, a in the show, he has, like, this really, like, fast, 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 fast rap. Yeah. Um, that is not on the cast recording. Right. Um, so that surprised me. Um, and then there's stuff like... So, again, like, for me, like, it's, like, those first seven tracks, just, like, bam. So one of them is is the Daddy Knows Best song, which mm-hmm. is a great song, mainly because of the vocals. Mm-hmm. Um, and the vocals from Pearl. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, yeah. Because she, she goes places. I should be my daddy's greatest surprise. But instead, he's got dollar signs in his eyes. Daddy, you just don't understand. All I care about is rocking out with my favorite But the thing is, so they changed, that was one of the cast members who changed Mm -hmm. between the cast recording and the stage version. And I already liked the one on the cast recording, but then I saw the stage version and I don't remember who did it on the cast recording, but I remember that Jalen Josie did it on stage. And I remember that because when she was singing, I was like, who is this? (laughs) Like I had to look at my my program like, who is this? Um, She just, it's like soul. And like, I I remember like the second she started singing, people were like, "Mm." Mm. like, you know, (laughs) just like hear people react. I'm like, oh yes. Oh yeah. Um, It's Emmy Raver Lapman on the, uh, on the recording. And she's great. Mm -hmm. You know, but I have seen her in the umbrella Academy. That's her big. uh, Oh really? um, Yeah. She I can't ask you what character. Allison Hargreaves, number three. I don't know. That's I don't, I've never seen cool. the show. I'm just that. That's what it's, okay. yeah. that's what it says right here on Wikipedia, which I'm looking at right now. Yeah. Uh, and she also did the Hamilton tour, so you know she's she's legit. Um, oh, mm-hmm. which okay. Yeah. Now that you've said that, I think now I think I know exactly who she is. Well, it's also it's also a different um, plankton. Yes. On the recording, it's, it's Nick Blameyer on the recording, and it's Wesley Taylor in the in the Broadway production. Um, yeah, and yeah, you are right. There are some weird, not weird because it happens. It's that thing when you make your cast recording before the show opens on Broadway. Yeah, and yeah. that's what's going to happen. You're going to have stuff on the album that isn't in the show anymore. Uh, right. There are no songs that didn't make it. Right. Um, 
But there are part like but like you say, certain songs were changed, tweaked, rewritten, expanded, mm-hmm. contracted yeah. between Chicago and, and New York. And yeah. th- you know, that's gonna happen if you if you if you decide to record the cast album early so you can get people to hear the music, which I think was a very good idea on balance yeah, because I think, so. I think it did eliminate a lot of naysay from the jump. Because it is a pretty you know, it's a pretty big ask. So it's like it's going to be yes. a SpongeBob SquarePants musical. You're already kind of behind the eight ball, and then yes. we're doing it this way with a lot of different people writing the songs. And there's a kind of like, uh, how good is that going to be? It's like, well, listen to the songs. Yeah. It's like, oh, the songs are pretty good. Because I will say, I'm not a fan of when the going gets tough. It is the number one song that I sing from this show. Like I find myself Damn. singing it just to myself, I mean, uh, and this because it is, it's a bop. It is just, it, it. I really, I'm, I'm, I. Like literally, I I think I physically reacted when that beat dropped for the first time. It, it's, I was like, I, yeah, I, I wasn't expecting that. <laughs> it's really, and it is again better in the show than on the album. Like, I, and the show mm-hmm. when he starts, to, when, when you see how silly it all is, because again, yeah. it's a really good song, and so yeah. put up against how silly it's staged, it's really, really a clever idea. It just, yeah. it does also go on for a little while to me, yeah. <laughs> and it's yeah. like, but I also didn't realize that, like, I assumed from what little I knew about the show, that, like, the volcano wasn't real and, like, Plankton was trying to trick everybody about the volcano. And that isn't true. The volcano is real. It's a real volcano. (laughs) But, but, like, and he's trying to trick everybody for a different reason, which, like you say, isn't worth going into. (laughs) No. But, so, it is also, like, part where the plot kind of fuddles a little bit. I do get why the volcano's real. Like, that the stakes are genuine because yes. of where we end up with best day ever and and all that like uh, it has to end yes. in a in a genuine moment it can't like it, yeah. it can't all have been a, a joke otherwise the stakes are gone and i again great respect to the show being like no we have to do it this way to give the characters yeah. like motivation you know another thing that i love about the album is like like many shows Act two is a bit weaker sure. than act one. Sure. Um, but so they do best day ever, which is really beautiful that they would like mm-hmm. bring in a song for an actual song from the show. Because mm-hmm. honestly, SpongeBob has enough songs that the musical could have just been just been SpongeBob songs, yeah. Songs SpongeBob. Completely. But it's really nice that they do best day ever. And then do you remember because I literally and okay, this is what I'm saying. This cast recording consistently surprised me. Do you remember at the end? When they do, it ends with like a Bikini Bottom Day reprise. Yes, that's it. And yeah. then they do that last note, and that last note lasts for like 30 seconds, mm-hmm. and it's just a bunch of random instruments being played. And I remember like, I thought I thought my my listening experience was done. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, I think I was probably driving, and I'm just like, oh, okay, cool. And then they play that last note, and then it's just like random off-key notes mm-hmm. and like random instruments that haven't been in the show before. And it it's it really literally made me laugh my ass off, but well, not literally, you know what I'm saying? It, it made me laugh my ass off, but also it felt so it felt like SpongeBob, like that. It, it, it's such a SpongeBob joke to be to just throw in something dumb and absurd for no reason. On a beautiful bikini So how so when but when I mean this show is is only however many years old when when did you come oh, to to musicals, young Dwayne? When did, oh, when, like in general? Yeah. Well, that's a big question. <laughs> um, sure. I so I think I think the first time I remember really being in love with the art form was uh, seeing The Lion King, mm. um, and we were living in Texas at the time, so we saw it in san antonio 
and it's a show that I feel like is, I feel like if it's possible, like that's the show that kids should see. Cause I think it really kind of, it immediately tells you like what theater is, mm. you know, like you're, you're, you're aware of the movie and then it, it immediately shows you, this is how you take something um, that is, you know, quote unquote impossible to mm. do on stage and how you make it happen. Um, and to this day, The Lion King is one of my favorite shows because I always feel like, just like we said about SpongeBob, but in in a much greater, um, with much greater emphasis, it really should not have worked. Mm-hmm. Like it really should not yeah. have worked. Like when they said, we're going to put The Lion King on stage, it shouldn't have worked. When they said, we're going to do it with puppets, it shouldn't have worked. <laughs> like it's just like every, every step of the way, mm-hmm. it should not have worked. But it's one of the most incredible experiences you can have. Mm-hmm. So... I would say that's where it started. And I was just telling my um, kids, my students, because I teach sixth grade drama now. And I was just telling them, like, when I was that age, I used to put on plays in my living room. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember after seeing The Lion King, we used to have a ceiling fan in our living room. And I, like, put, like, paper birds on the ceiling fan to, like, oh, there make you go. Them, you know. yeah, yeah, I was I was doing that kind that's of stuff. good. Yeah. So... So it was always kind of like telegraphed that I would end up doing this. Sure, sure. To the surprise of <laughs> but, no one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I, The Lion King was definitely my first thing. And then when I was in seventh grade, we took a trip to New York to see Wicked, um, uh, which to this day is pretty much still my favorite musical. Mm-hmm. Um, and at the time, I was already obsessed by the time we like saw it. Like mm-hmm. I already knew all the songs and like had read the book and everything. Um, but again, I mean, you really can't overestimate the feeling of being in that room mm-hmm. and the feeling of uh, seeing the like dragon start moving at the beginning and seeing, obviously seeing Alphabet fly and everything, you know, like there's, sure. it's just so like, it's just incredible. So I, I think the first time I like did a musical, at least that I can remember, I was Aladdin and Aladdin Jr., we were in texas there you go um it, i was in like fifth grade and i was like the shortest one so i was like i'm not gonna get this part um but then you know the audition went well and i ended up so, um that the was great 10 year old aladdin's there he was i there mean was. seriously it was like i was like i looked at everybody else i was like there's no way mm-hmm. there's no way i'm getting this and i did and it was great um and then since then you know just steadily um, I went to Duke Ellington School of the Arts mm-hmm. in DC, um, and we do a all school musical every four years. Um, meaning Duke Ellington is in different departments, so like theater and vocal mm-hmm. and stuff like that. But we do like one musical in the four year cycle where anyone can be in anything. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we did Dream Girls. Ours was Dream Girls. Oh wow! Um, and so I got to do Cece in Dream Girls, and we actually had a gala night where jennifer holiday came to perform basically with us yeah it was really interesting basically what happened i mean tickets were like 200 dollars, obviously but basically what happened was we did act one kind of normally Mm -hmm. and then when um and i'm telling you happens well okay and it was actually it was so funny because we had a turntable for our whoa all right yeah i mean like ellington ellington is you know it's you legit. Know, yeah. Mm-hmm. It's, it's that real stuff. So sure. we we did the whole thing. And then when it got to, and I'm telling you, I think our Effie is just like, ladies and gentlemen, Jennifer Holiday. And then the turntable turns. Oh my god. And gosh. there she is in all her grandness. Oh my god. And I'm telling you. So so yeah. And I also I always say that from an acting perspective, mm-hmm. Dream Girls is the first time I ever like lost myself on stage, which I think is like what we all want to happen like that's the feeling that we're all going for Mm -hmm. but it was that thing of like i don't know it was like sometime during act two i was like backstage changing and i was like oh i forgot i was in a play like i Mm -hmm. forgot i forgot i was performing with people like i was just in it Mm -hmm. so yeah so i've just steadily done musicals since then and try to write as much as i can well when did you start doing that when did you start writing music well i again this is funny because my kids just asked me this today (laughs) um (laughs) I was writing like songs when I was very young. Like we had a keyboard in our house. And so I used to use that to write 
songs, not like musical songs, but just not musical songs, not songs for musicals. Right. But um, but just songs, you know, just right. like I, I wrote a song. Um, I'm trying to remember the first time I actually like said I'm writing a musical. I know. Oh, this is funny. So I know that um, the year 2008 is when I learned what a jukebox musical was. And it was because of Mamma Mia. Ah, and I didn't right. I didn't know about Mamma Mia. You know, like 2008, I was in like eighth grade. So mm-hmm. I wasn't like a musical theater person sure. <laughs> yet. Um, but I didn't know that you could make music out of, or you could make like a musical out of songs that already existed. Mm-hmm. And that was so fascinating to me. <laughs> so I maybe wrote out plots for like five jukebox musicals <laughs> of like, I had one, ironically, because there's a musical coming out now, but I wrote one, with like michael jackson music Mm -hmm. because it was the year he died or whatever i wrote one that was based on teenage dream by Katy perry whoa which i still think is very good by the way maybe you know somebody somebody call me up you know um but in terms of original stuff i feel like it was probably around high school it was probably around high school that i started writing things for for specific shows Mm -hmm. Um, and in fact, so the musical that I'm working on now, there are songs in it that I wrote, at least I thought I was writing for other things all the way back in like high school. So songs that like, I literally remember being in like, like world history, not paying attention Mm -hmm. because I was writing this song and now it's like in a musical that I'm actually making, which is really cool. Yeah. Um, it's really cool. And a mentor of mine when I told him that he was like, it means you were writing the musical before you even knew you were writing it. And I was like, Oh, that's <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't ready for that. <laughs> so yeah, I've just been, you know, and now I'm trying to um, make sure, even though I finished writing one, I'm trying to make sure that I keep it moving, you know, and keep, keep writing other things. Um, because like I have a, a, a mentor in the industry who like tells me like, you know, when you have something that people are interested in, they're going to ask you, what else are you working on? You know, what else are you working on? Maybe this isn't going to work for us, but maybe there's something else that works for you. So now I'm, you know, trying to write other stuff and whatnot. But you did release a song from, from yes. was it Manifesto is the, is the, yes. the title? It's called um, Manifesto, colon, The Rebirth of Adam. There you go. <laughs> it's what and the song is called... Isn't as pretentious as it sounds. Well, that's... <laughs> No, it's stand, right out. It's standing right your out. truth is incredibly pretentious. Right? <laughs> <laughs> um, but it's it, it. So you release the the song, so it's obviously it's on its way. Like you're you're working towards yeah. some kind of some I mean, sort we, of we presentation. Hope for, yeah. You hope, for, yeah. Um, yeah. When it, but it it feels very. And correct me if I'm wrong. It feels very self revelatory and very personal yes. to you yes. specifically. In that, was that yeah. what you? set out to do or are you just sort of like oh wait all these songs are about <laughs> about me so well i'm gonna focus so on that. so i can i i don't i don't mind sharing as much as whatever i'm i'm actually gonna try to not talk for too long no. but basically so manifesto is like semi-autobiographical mm-hmm. um and it's basically about like a young black gay kid growing up in like a household that doesn't accept that mm. basically so what's interesting about it is some of the songs that i wrote back when i was in high school i never thought that like i would and you, you don't around that age like i never thought i would be out mm-hmm. at all so i was kind of like i mean i'm not writing a musical about like me being a gay person you know mm-hmm. you know like, sure. so some of those songs had nothing to do with that um and then as i got older like i'm 27 now and it's just kind of like you know whatever um, so now, <laughs> w- once I realized that I was no longer afraid to like go there with the subject matter, then it was like, okay, so now I'm actually writing a musical that's kind of about me, right? Mm-hmm. So the song that I released, and we actually only re- released it because we had a, a release date that was important. And then um, some of our people got sick, not not with COVID, but just got sick. Sure. Um, and so we were going to miss the release date. And I was like, oh, no, 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 <laughs> Like I need to release on this date. So I ended up doing like an, an acapella 
thing with it myself. Keep praying for a breakthrough before you ever break down. Keep hoping, keep pushing, keep searching, don't stop. Keep the momentum going. Keep hoping for a breakthrough before you ever. I know your identity it means more than anything. The best version of you is yet to be unlocked. All you have to do is find the cheat code. But there's no But that song is called Momentum, and it's kind of about um, after the coming out process, the like anxiety that comes with maybe not, you know, like, people who didn't have the best coming out story and how um, you start feeling anxiety about yourself and how you fit into the world. And, you know, especially if it happens, like for me, it happened around the same time, just I was turning into a man, you know, like Mm -hmm. around the same time as adolescence. And so you kind of have this weird mindset of like, you've kind of always thought that something was wrong with you. And then if the response you know, from like the people who love you is negative or even more negative than you thought turns into something else, mm-hmm. you know, that you kind of grow with. And that that's part of why, you know, you and me haven't known each other for that long, but that's part of why I make an, uh, a conscious effort to be transparent um, on like social media and stuff mm-hmm. about the things that I'm going through, because I think that, a lot of times we don't, you know, it's a whole like stereotype about like, we only show the good things. Right. And it's like, for me, I'm like, you know, there are a lot of things that I'm working through because of those experiences. Part of why I wanted to write the musical in the first place is because I think it's so funny that there's so many, um, it, like there's an overwhelming majority of like queer people in musical theater, but there's a very small amount of like queer shows mm-hmm. and especially shows that go into that sort of the psychological and emotional mm-hmm. aspect of it and how you feel about yourself and whatever. It's usually kind of like either full on, like I'm a drag queen, right? No shade. Everybody's talking about Jamie, right. but like, like <laughs> just kind of full, fully there. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, there's a lot of stuff about like the AIDS crisis and stuff like that, which obviously is important, but there's just not a lot of shows that speak to the sort of inner thing that you go through. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that was part of why I was like, yeah, I should probably write this, you know, like, I don't know, I don't know where it's gonna go. I Mm. hope it goes in a lot of places, but I do know that the people who have heard it relate to it very heavily and, you know, say that there are things that they've never heard, like expressed, Mm. um, like that they've always felt, but they never heard expressed. And it's like, I think that's. That's a pretty good reason yeah. to like something. <laughs> yeah. No, I would absolutely say so. But I do want to ask folks before we wrap up, because you've already told us that your favorite song is uh, the T.I. song, so I don't have to ask you that question. That's right. Um, going stuff. Or Bikini Bottom Day. Where, where, can people, where can people find you on the internet to find your stuff? I will play a clip of Momentum at some point in this, in this episode. Uh, but but where, um, where can folks find yeah, you I mean, and, and what you're doing? I, I really need to, I, I probably need to set up like some official stuff for the musical mm-hmm. specifically because it's all on like YouTube or SoundCloud or whatever. But what I will say is you can find the song Momentum, Dwayne's version, which is a reference to Taylor Swift. <laughs> um, you can find that song um, on YouTube um, or on SoundCloud. And um as we keep recording, we will end up having stuff on streaming sites. Mm. Um, so I'll probably, I'm probably going to make social media sites for manifesto specifically. Mm-hmm. Um, but for now, yeah, for now it's just the song. So if you want to hear the song momentum, it's just an acapella version. Hopefully like what I'm hoping will happen is like, we'll do like a cast recording and that'll be like the bonus track. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like remember mm-hmm. when we started with this right, way back in the remember, day, like, look how far yeah. we've come. Look you at know? That. Yeah. Um, so yeah, Momentum is is on YouTube and SoundCloud. And then uh, the plan is to come out with a fully recorded EP mm. of songs by the end of the year. Um, and so when that comes out, we'll, you know, we'll, we'll get that out as much as we can. Give me some music, Karen. Boots, 
This task force is for losers. I've got the perfect plan. Right now the getting's good, so let's get out while we can. Look, lava's pretty hot. Let's give in to our fear. Disaster's on its way. That means we can't spend no more time in here. You all know who I am. Evil genius, giant brain. You can't stop a volcano. I mean, are you all insane? The ones who stay will all be vaporized without a doubt. Before that sucker blows, we gotta get the fish out. Fish out, fish out, fish out. The original cast is produced and edited by me, Patrick Flynn. Please rate and review us on your podcatcher of choice. It's the easiest way to help the podcast grow. If you like movie musicals, then you have to check out patreon.com slash originalcastpod to learn about our bonus podcast, The Original Cast, at the movies. You can follow The Original Cast on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at originalcastpod. Special thanks to our social media manager, Bethany Zalecki. Hi, Bethany. My thanks to Dwayne Richards for coming and talking to me. I'm Patrick Flynn. And I can't. I have rehearsal. A Lego and be gone. 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 Because when the going gets tough, that means it's time to get lost. When the going gets tough, that means it's time to get lost. So Lego and be gone. Let's be gone. Hold on. This is another one of your schemes. You've got something up your sleeve. I'm a one-celled organism. I don't even have sleeves. Oh!